Hello folks and welcome to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. My name is Graham Stevens and I really hope that I can bring a smile to your face. Why do only fools and old work Hello there, and welcome back. This week, first up, an episode of The Goons, entitled Dishonoured. And that's followed by an episode of Round the Horn, entitled Traffic Wardens in Outer Space. Here is a police station. A van load of musical instruments was stolen this afternoon. It is believed to be having repercussions. Fear <laughs> not, fear unlicensed listeners. It will not stop the highly underpaid. Doom show! <laughs> Thank you, Boris Winnick and his Scottish Highlanders. <laughs> Somebody called Highland Colonel Nasser. <laughs> Mr. Moldy Greenslade, stop that disgusting habit and make your usual hash of the announcement. Ludies and Jittlepoglum. <laughs> we give you a story specially rotten for the wireless type of radio set. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> a story entitled Dishonored. It was written by Mrs. Bessie Braddock, but I know for her work as John Cockham. <laughs> All parts will be played by human beings. Oh, good night, folks. Oh, <laughs> oh dishonored part one. The scene, the Limehouse waterfront. <laughs> Enter a ragged idiot. Oh. Not a penny have I, not a penny towards a plate of vitals for my poor, weak, half-starved, seventeen-stone body. Oh, I'll, I'll lay me poor twenty-stone head down upon this bed. Come along, you two, move along there now. But, but contribute. Right, now move along before I belt you around the ear. <laughs> a moment, please. The voice came from a tall, dark, fully-dressed male nude. He emerged from the darkness and walked into the gaslight. Oh! <laughs> now then, constable, how would you like to join the river, please? Oh, very much, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Right. Now then, lad, I've come to help who? He meant me. <laughs> he glanced up at my feet, wrapped in coal sacks. My thrice-turned World War I overcoat. My brown paper shirt with the ink in buttons. And my six months growth of beard. Down on your luck? <laughs> Whatever makes you think that, sir? Your disguise didn't fool me. It should do it genuine. <laughs> but why should you be so interested in me? I run a rag and bone job. You want a manager? No, I want stock. <laughs> well, I need a job. You want to work? Yes. You must be desperate. I held out as long as I could. Well said. I have a very good friend, Hercules Grease Pipe Pin. And this is where the story really starts. 
This friend is in a bank, or as you say in England, a bank. Now, <laughs> how are you at mathematics? I speak it like a native, splendid. <laughs> You're the very type of the job, dead stupid. Tomorrow, you start work at the Slippery Bank Limited. We should hand. He doffed his cap, and I acknowledged by raising my axe out of rubber dinghy. <laughs> at last, at last employment, my wife was overjoyed. Next day, I started work at the bank as a clerk, with every prospect of becoming a clerk. <laughs> my wages were eight shillings a week, with three shillings for each of my children. This brought his money up to 80 pounds. <laughs> That was the manager, Mr. Finn. Well-known in concentric circles. Mr. Seagull, how long have you been with us? Twenty minutes. <laughs> what a splendid record of devotion and honesty. <laughs> Neddy, and this is where the story really starts. Neddy, I'm putting you in a position of trust. Or in charge of the gold vault. There is the key. Gold. I wonder if he's the right man for the job. I decided to pinch the gold. Yes, this is the Charlie. <laughs> I must tell friend Moriarty all is going according to plan. Immediately, I backed a large horse-drawn motor van up to the front entrance of the bank. You can't pass that there, sir. Constable, how would you like to join the river fleet? Very much, sir. <laughs> Carry on, Neddy. Right. Next, I carefully disguised myself as a Zulu warrior of the Matabili Rising. So cunning was my makeup that even my own grandmother would have recognized me. Hello, Neddy. Hello, Granny. <laughs> In this inconspicuous disguise, I took the gold from the vaults and loaded it onto the van. For three hours, I toiled back and forth. Oh, Neddy. Curses. I'm spotted. Why are you wearing that leopard skin? So that's why I'm spotted. <laughs> Neddy, where are you taking all that gold? I, uh... I shall have to think of a good excuse. You're stealing it, aren't you? Curse, why hadn't I thought of that? <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm stealing it. I'm afraid we shall have to give you a week's notice. Why? What have I done? Oh, nothing, nothing. We're just having to cut down on the staff, you know. <laughs> it has been a robbery. Now, get that van started while I get my hat and coat. You coming too? No point in staying here. There's more lorry in the van than there is in the bank. Very well. We'll be partners. Shake. I give him my hand. I gave him my foot. It was a fair swap. <laughs> Good! Gildre, take the wheel and drive us to Dishonored Part 2.
Dishonored Part Two, and this is where the story really starts. With their newfound wealth, Meg Seagoon, with good pipes in a mariachi, paints the town red. Then, one day, as Seagoon was in the bath, the first blow fell. Oh, Neddy, Neddy, get out of that dustbin. Bad news. The bank you stole the gold from told the police. What a rotten trick. Nothing sacred. Give yourself up, Neddy. Give myself up? Yes, the police want you, lad. Nonsense, I'm much too short for the police. <laughs> then you'll have to go aboard the Mediterranean. Very well, we sail at dawn. Tonight! <laughs> Within a week, we were on board a private yacht sailing west, northwest, south. I stood on the pilchard with a spanker blowing through my hair. And the salty bloat is spinning before the giblets. It's a man's life, I tell you. <laughs> a man's life, I tell you. <laughs> you silly, twisted boy. <laughs> Hello, Captain Finn. What's our position? Desperate. Uh, um, I'll inquire. Oh, Mr. Highly Skilled Navigator. Hello. <laughs> Uh, what is that object off the port beam? Um, yeah, um, what is that object off the port beam? Good heavens, it's the Albert Hall. Ooh, you mean to see the fort? <laughs> What's the Albert Hall doing on Beaky Head? I'm, I'm with no lights on. More to the point is, what are we doing in Hyde Park? Oh, the, um... The sea's calmer here. <laughs> Mr. Navigator, we are 400 miles from the sea. Explain. Oh. Nobody's perfect. Oh. Are <laughs> gone? Oh. What I want to know is, are we off course? Of course. Of course. According, according to my, my, my special calculations, we should be in separate with market. <laughs> I'm sorry about coming aboard, sir, but you can't park this yacht Monday to Friday even date your night off. Oh, Constable, how would you like to join the Kensington Brown Pond, please? There's no such fault. You're the first. Thank you, sir. Full speed ahead to the Mediterranean. <laughs> We are happy to announce that one of the stolen instruments has been recovered. <laughs> and so, Dishonored Part 3. In the Mediterranean, and this is where the story really starts, in the Med, the second blow fell. One morning, Neddy was called to the captain's cupboard. Ah, oh, Neddy. Neddy, when you came aboard, I believe you deposited all the gold in the care of Moriarty. Yes. Fine. Isn't it safe with him? Perfectly safe. Wherever he and his rowing boat are. The gold! The gold I stole! Stolen! Pete! Which way did he go? That away. Has he gone? Yes, he's gone. Let's go down and divide the gold out. Clean time. I floundered alone in the Indian Ocean, unable to speak a word of the language. <laughs> I flung on my back, but I just couldn't get off the street. I must ask you to move along, sir. <laughs> now, if you contribute, I thought you were the police. That's right, sir. Then what are you doing in the ocean? Being promoted, sir. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you very much, sir. 
I'm in the best office. Plenty full of fish. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Could you direct me to India? Yes, sir. You just follow the tram lines. And so saying, I struck out for the shore. Ten miles I swam. The last three were agony. They were overland. <laughs> Finally, I fell in a heap on the ground. I have no idea who left it there. A tea planter in the Nilgiri Hills. We are anxious to know if you need sucker. Yes. Just what I need, a glass of sucker. <laughs> Why don't you answer, sir? Hit him, Henry. Are you both dead? I've told you, I'm weak from exhaustion. Of course. That's what I can't hear me. I'm unconscious. <laughs> Come on, Henry. You heard what he said, he's unconscious. Help me lift him up, Lynn. Okay, I'll take his head and you... No, no, no. You go around the other side of his head. Oh, okay. getting him off the ground, I, Wallace Greenspade, would like to take this opportunity of thanking the thousands of Wallace Greenspade fans up for their letters. Keep smiling, Greenspaders, and keep those checks rolling into old Wallace. I'll be with you again next week, so check it in, switch. Two, four, six, eight. Hold away. Appreciate Greenspade! <laughs> Now, here is his honor part four. <laughs> Tied to the back of Mr. Khan's car, Seagoon was towed back to Pune. But the rope broke and left him stranded in the Indian quarter of India. <laughs> yes! There is a place where a man can drink and forget his sorrows. It was there I went. Welcome to the Barab House Tour Club. What does the dirt encrusted tub desire? All the sensuous drinks of the Orient are yours. The pan beading, the scented Vishnu wine, the toddy juice, the aromatic crab pani. Which do you desire, O oh wicked one? Call a tea, please. <laughs> Forbidden. But I fixed it. Oh, wait. Gentlemen and Bombay cities, take your partner for the European style stand on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bambooday, a catchy melody. Bambooday, nobody can explain what it means, but it keeps running around your brain. Bambooday, you're over town. 
Up the Eiffel Tower and coming down Even Piccadilly and Broadway Night on day the people singing Tampa Day When a man in gay Paris Says come from the door with me If you send him on his way This is what he'll say creature that set my pulses racing as one by one the blankets fell to the floor. The lights went down, and as the last blanket fell from the passionate creature, I moved to her side in the dark. <sighs> oh, desirable creature, what prompts you to dance in this den of vice? I got some wicked living, too. <laughs> No, Dad. Here, but don't tell the manager. Why not? We're engaged. However, did you get here? Well, that's Moriarty and Gritbark Tinfellers. They threw me in the sea. What a pity you can swim. I was glad. Here, this is the question, and this is where the story really starts. What are you going to do? No. I'm going to see him in the aim and get back my self-respect. Yeah. I'll, I'll join the Navy. <laughs> Thank you. 
too damn noisy in the Navy. <laughs> So you two naughty men want to join the third Bombay Irish, eh? Now, let us take the regimental oath. Open your wallet and say after me, help yourself. Help yourself. Do you swear to be brave soldiers? Yes. Never turn a back on the enemy? Never. Always speak well of a lady? Always. And respect the chastity of a woman? Yes. Have we nothing in common? (laughs) Do we? We need recruits. (laughs) You see, uh, and this is where the story really starts. The red bladder is raising the patient's eyes. He's got fresh consignments of automatic swords. <laughs> Two international crooks smuggled him a shipload of gold. Quit by the Moriarty, so that's the game. Sir, I have a score to settle. Let me go to the frontier. Right, sign it. Neddy, he gone. There. Am I a soldier now? I don't know. I only collect autographs. <laughs> Major Blood, Doctor, and this is where the story really starts. What is it, Muriel? <laughs> the Red Blood is lighting fires all along the frontier. Perhaps he's cold. <laughs> Muriel, arm the men to the teeth. Impossible, sir. No arms? No teeth. Oh. <laughs> then we can't fight. Hooray! Now, I want a chance to prove I'm a man. <laughs> I'll fight the Red Blood. Clear my name, recover the gold, and capture Moriarty and grit my Who will ride with me? I heard you told me, my <laughs> And this is where the story really starts. In the blue bottle, where's the sausages? There they are. Little jug-headed bugler, blow the alarm. That's what I say, blow the alarm. <laughs> Again. This is no game, little drooping feet. Get mounted, lad. Yes, my captain. I am mounted it and ready for the ride. Wait a minute. What is this in this saddle bag? That's dynamite, my lad. <laughs> Think. I know what this means for blue bottles. The dreaded bedding. I don't like this thing. We'll soon know the better truth. What? Can I come too? <laughs> it's about time you came too. <laughs> I'm very delicious, just you. <laughs> oh, oh, here. The blue bottle. Hey, do you know what I'm getting? What are you getting, at you? I'm getting a bowl. <laughs> I'm not getting a brand well. No, no. I have got a junior smoker kit. <laughs> Complete with coffee, ashtray, and licorice dog in. I like licorice. What color is your bow well? Well, it's the same color as we don't have. I better put it in that you. Thank <laughs> you.
Oh, Mr. Bates, the point starboard finger of thousands of savage note in men with Indians had their chest. The red bladder and his 50,000 bladder. Cad, <laughs> without number 20 to 1. 20 to 1? I'm for lunch. <laughs> with only one tune. What is it? Blue bottles. Try to the crash of that crag and signal Major Bloodnut. Off you go. I will do this. I will. Ride back here. is a dirty big white chasm. With a 40-foot chasm up to the raging currents below. Fear not, shivering nut. That Arab Sterling will bound the chasm like... Like a winged arrow. Yes, it will. Get <laughs> up, winged arrow. Welcome to the Indian River, please. I do. <laughs> you are the forces of Ezio. The prestige. Morignati men. Think. I know how to get rid of the dynamite. Mr. Morinantu, <laughs> would you like a nice big long red cigar with a wick on the end? <laughs> oh, thank you, lad. Thank you. That's it. Just like the end. Mm. It's gone out. I'll light it again for you and then you... Thought you'd like to hear it again. <laughs> Dishonored past the last. Neddy Seagoon gives his all in battle with the Red Bladder. The battle rage. I heard it all on the wireless. Seagoon <laughs> fought like a madman. How else? But. <laughs> but alas. <laughs> on that spot is now a little white stone. Yes. Once a year, Minnie lays flowers on it. That's right. And the stone bears a simple inscription in Hindustani. I haven't the heart to tell her. But roughly translated, it says, Bombay, 49 miles. That was the Doom Show, recorded by the Peter Sellers, Harry Seacom, and Spike Milligan, with the Ray Ellington Quartet and Max Keldray. The orchestra was conducted by Wally Stott, except by Spike Milligan and Eric Spike. An answer while it's been played. The program produced by Peter Eaton. You are listening to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. And that was an episode of The Goons entitled Dishonoured. Now, as promised, an episode of Round the Horn. This one is called 
traffic wardens in outer space. And now, the BBC would like to present yet another programme starring Roy Plumley, Frederick Risewood, Anona Wynne, Jean Metcalf, Marjorie Anderson, Max Jaffa, Sandy McPherson, Lionel Hale, Gail Pedrick, Franklin Ingleman, and Percy Edwards. They'd like to, but they'd dare. <laughs> so here instead, the BBC regrets. Round the hall! That was, of course, Douglas Smith, known by millions of listeners who thrilled to his vice. Vice? <laughs> You've left out the O. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Doug. Of course, I should have said, oh, how they thrilled to his vice. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, as everybody knows, it's try to slip a double entendre past the producer day. And to, to celebrate it, there'll be a lot of fascinating events. There's the annual pancake race at Cows. And following cows, there's communal goat spattering at the Lady Knee Trembler Memorial Hall Penge. There's hormone nudging at Glyndebourne, jockey wiping at Bart's, and our old friends, the over 80s nudist leapfrog team, are holding their annual flagpole squat. I think it's a sort of sit-down protest, you know. It's bound to be in the nature of things. <laughs> if you get the point, you do. Good. None of which brings us to our next item. Another episode of the Muff Plaster Saga. studio is the last of the muff plasters, we can only hope, uh, talking to Nemony Mousehabit. Now, Sir Aardvark, if you wouldn't mind... My pleasure, dear lady. Ah! <laughs> Once again... All right. Oh! Oh, I'm losing my sense of direction. You were going to tell us about the Spanish branch of your family. Oh, uh, yes. My story is of El Mufflastero, or Mufflastero, the greatest bullfighter in Spain. The scene is Seville, the time, the 1880s. My name is Don Hernandez José Flech. <laughs> Uh, not much of a name, but it's good for clearing the throat. <laughs> I'm an old aficionado. Yeah, we've all got your number. <laughs> I breed bulls. <laughs> well, that is, they breed themselves, but they, uh, they do it on my estate. Now, one day I was riding around my hacienda with old Gaspato Gonzalez, selecting the bulls for the next corrida. Well, uh, what do you think of him, Gonzalez? Which one? That one there, the big devil with the flaring nostrils and the great heaving flanks. Is that a one? Yes, yes. Moo, moo. <laughs> it is I, Douglas Smith, in a funfair and a cardboard Viking helmet. Moo, moo. Moo, moo. <laughs> you sound more like a cow. You try milking me, you'll find out. <laughs> Take his word for it, senor. He looks dangerous. They call him El Bruto. Bruto means a wild. And the L? Lillian. <laughs> no, 
wonder he's wild. Oh, look, he's nuzzling up to me. Nuzzle, nuzzle. <laughs> oh, look at him wagging his tail. Wag, wag. <laughs> moo, moo. Splosh. <laughs> Splosh? I've knocked over a milk churn. Oh. <laughs> he is the biggest bully in all of Spain. Now, where can we find a matador? Who will face him? Let me try. I'll fight him. I turned in the direction of the voice and looked down my aristocratic nose. You won't find me in there. <laughs> Behind this clump of yerba. Smith! It means grass. Oh. Who are you? I am Juan. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, uh, now, young man, you uh, fancy yourself as a torero? I know the ways of booze. Let, <laughs> let me borrow your cape and I'll show you. Hey, toro, toro! Doug, come on. That's funny, he doesn't seem to want to charge you. Well, I couldn't charge a friend. Ah. <laughs> well, come on, do it as a favour. Oh, all right. Olay! Olay! Look at the way he handles his muleta. Oh, yes, yeah. so should he be doing that? <laughs> Muleta means a cape. Oh, yes. Oh, and look at those perfect passes. A chest pass, a back pass, a Watford bypass. And now, look, a left-handed Kyber pass. Ole! <laughs> the way he works his cape is effective, but his mariposas need polishing. Oh, why don't you send him to Cadiz? It's pronounced Cadiz. Oh, all right, then. Cadiz. Why Cadiz? Uh, there's a bullfighter school there. <laughs> Well, did you hear that one? What do you say? I could hunt for hoy. So, young man, you want me to show you a few old bullfighters' wrinkles, do you? Yes, sir. Well, look, here they are on my old bullfighters' legs. <laughs> these I picked up, uh, I picked these up in a ring in Madrid. A few old scars. Thanks, Nystro. They've hardly been smoked. <laughs> now, what makes you think you can become a bullfighter? Ever since I was a little Nino on my mother's Ashienda, I've, I've thought of nothing. <laughs> nothing but bullfighting. I used to practice on the cat. <laughs> and you still want to be a bullfighter? Yes. I want to be, all, I want to be like all the other bullfighters, to be rich. Honoured, idolised, to get a turn, Ava Gardner. <laughs> the only gardener who's looked at me twice is the one at the recreation ground. <laughs> and that's only because I trod on his petunia. <laughs> is that the only reason? No, Maestro, there is another reason. Ah. The bullfighter is a very special person. Who else but a matador can walk down the road in satin and frilly lace and pink silk stockings <laughs> without getting arrested? <laughs> all right, I'll teach you all I know. First, the ways of the corrida. Now then, I'll put on these horns. So, I am the bull. You see me coming for you. Now, what do you do? 
Yes, I don't blame you. But let's face it, nobody's going to pay you 3,000 pesetas to see you do that. <laughs> use your cape. Well, use your hankies. <laughs> well, use your sleeves then, but don't stand there crying. <laughs> now then, once more. That's better. That's better. Hooray! Hooray! How soon will I be ready to fight? Soon. Every week in the marketplace at Cordoba, there's a small farrier. Well, you can't say farrier than that. <laughs> and if you do well there, I can get you a fight at Tori Morris... Tori Morris... Oh, the hell with it. Barcelona. <laughs> Juan toured from place to place, gaining experience with each encounter. Barcelona! Away! Seville! Away! Golders Green! Away! <laughs> One night after a corrida in Madrid, I threw a party in my bodega for young Juan. To entertain, I hired a troupe of Andalusian gypsies. And the troupe was led by the lovely Carmelita de Rosa y Ballspon Road. <laughs> Enter Betty Marsden, flashing like a breakdown truck. <laughs> she swaggered into the room, her fan fluttering. <laughs> she paused and stared round the room haughtily, a rose in her teeth, her teeth in her hand, <laughs> her hand on her hip. Ah! What's the matter? Well, I bit myself. <laughs> and she started to dance a wild gypsy fandango. Magnificent. Hell, muchacha. Yes. Quite inexpensive, really. And you get the guitarist thrown in. I meant she's a lovely girl. Look at her hair, piled up on her head, held in place with a pair of bejeweled Spanish combs. You mean combs? Oh, no, by George, you're right. I've just washed me hair. Well, now, come. Come over here, my dear. I want you to meet the greatest bullfighter in Spain. Hello. Oh, I'm enchanted. Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> anything that could explain your appearance. <laughs> here, what do they call you? People call me Carmen. They all pull up when they see me. <laughs> <laughs> Juan. Which one do you mean? <laughs> the first one that comes along. Oh, so you are the little bullfighter of whom everyone speaks. Yes. The one they call a Phyllis. <laughs> Fearless. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, dear. But you are afraid of me. Am I not lovely? Eh? Do you not desire me? Well, in my village we have a saying. He can targa del kilo despocararo e contende sombrero e posto blanco. Which means? When you've had a few ginger, not that particular. Come <laughs> on, girl.
And the next day, Juan was due to find El Bruto, the great bull still played by Douglas Smith. But as the crowd flocked into the arena in Juan's dressing room, all was not well. Oh, my head, I've got a terrible hangover. Well, tuck it in your tights and get dressed. through with it. But you must! You win this fight and you'll be able to retire. But supposing I don't? In that case, the question won't arise. <laughs> you must do it for me. I taught you to be a bullfighter. I trained you for the ring. All right, but if I, if I don't come back, I want you to have this. My father gave it to me when I was young and now I want to give it to you. What is it? A kick in the teeth. <laughs> The crowd went wild as Juan strutted into the arena and marched across the sand, his head held high. Then the doors of the toil swung open and out rushed the awesome black hulk of El Bruto. Moo, moo. Moo, moo, moo. Finished? Yes, that is the end of the moos, and that was Dr. Smith reading them. <laughs> Juan stood in the center of the ring. Oh, oh. The, bull, the bull bellowed his defiance and charged. I'm afraid. I'm afraid uh, he is. Oh, 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 where am I? Just coming up to the tag, but don't worry, I'm with you. Yeah, and so am I. I'm afraid you'll never face a bull again. But did they award me the bull's ears? Not his ears. Well, his hooks. No. Well, his tail. No, but you're getting warm. Well, which part of the bull? Which part of the bull did they award me? Well, uh, let's put it this way. It's going to look ridiculous on your mantelpiece. <laughs> For another moment of truth, the Fraser Hayes Four. No wonder they say the truth is hard to bear. Ladies and gentlemen, the Fraser Hayes Four. Yeah. 
Smith Round the Horn Colour Supplement. And first with fashion, Daphne Whiteside. Hello. <laughs> Courage is in the news again. He's done remarkable things in dresses. <laughs> Fabulous things in coats. And now I hear he's done something startling in his boots. I have a letter here from a listener which reads... A lot of people criticised me and my mates because we go to work in Bright Larry Clobber. But me and my mates say, why not? It don't do nobody no harm. <laughs> and it adds a bit of colour to our drab lives. And it's signed Thomas, the Bishop of Ponders End. <laughs> oh, thank you, Bishop, and... Uh... Thank you, Daphne Whiteside. Now, once again, it's time to meet trendy Sunday night personality, Seamus Android. Hello. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, no. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I can't wait to. <laughs> so, good night. <laughs> and thank you, Seamus Android, the man whose television show has done more for sound radio than Marconi. <laughs> Now, this week, the colour supplement turns its attention to commercial television, where the high quality of the entertainment is often spoiled by those annoying little interruptions, which we call programmes. <laughs> now, a lot of people underestimate the power of the television commercial. We'd buy fertiliser if they advertised it often enough, and judging by the cereal I had for breakfast, they already have done. <laughs> people would buy anything that was advertised on TV, even water. I'm standing in the kitchen of Mrs. Proudbasket's council house in Slough-Bucks. Three weeks ago, we asked her to take part in an experiment with her washing. Mrs. Proudbasket, you washed these shirts here in water, didn't you? Yes, I did. And they come up lovely, shining bright. Now, before that, you tried doing the family wash in different products. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. I, um, I washed them first in sulfuric acid, <laughs> porridge, and, um, and cocoa. But they never come up like this. And look at my hands. They are so soft and white now. Not like when I use sulfuric acid. Yes, women everywhere are turning to water containing the magic ingredient H2O. Whatever the pleasure, water completes it. And remember, water contains 99% of all known germs. Philip rang to say he'd be home late from the office. I had nothing in the larder except for some rubbishy beef cubes. Luckily, there was plenty of water in the house. Hello, Katie, darling, I'm home. What's for dinner? <laughs> A beef cube in hot water. <laughs> Philip, Philip, what are you doing with that gun? <laughs> water gives a meal. Man appeal. In our little village, we know a thing or two about water. <laughs> a drop of good stuff, that is. <laughs> water. <laughs> but what do I know? I'm just a bucolic old theatre owner. <laughs> Full of honest goodness, that. That looks good. That tastes good. By golly, it is good. If you put enough gin in it. 
Many people say that television has killed the live theatre, and it is true that many old established actors have had to change their style to survive. Fiona. Charles. You came to the theatre, then? Yes. I couldn't miss your opening night. Back here in the theatre, where you scored all your triumphs. Do you think the audience will remember me? Oh, darling. <laughs> of course they will. You see, you'll get a warm hand when you enter. It's been so long, Fiona. Charles, darling, what a lot of telegrams. Yes. Everybody's been too kind. One minute, Mr. Ackerback. Thank you. Noel sent me roses. Rose sent me Noel's. <laughs> Neither pair fit. <laughs> How will I go with the audience? Can I still get a cross to them? No, you can get a cross to them, Charles. Can I still touch them? Oh, I know you can touch them. Yes, but... Can I still move them? I feel you can get across to them. I'm sure you can touch them. And I know that if you really try, you can move them. You're on, Mr. Ackerback. Coming. Oh, damn. Can't remember my love. You will. You will. As soon as you walk onto that stage in front of that audience. It'll all come back to you. Go now, Charles. Be wonderful. Thank you, Fiona. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Here we go. Legs 11, clickety-click, all the nines. 99. <laughs> all over the country would be TV companies plan for the day when they might get a license to operate. Now, the one that most interested me was called Boner TV Limited. <laughs> and to find out more about them, I paid a visit to their headquarters, which is actually the cloakroom of the Marine Commando Club Paddington. <laughs> Hello, anybody there? Oh, hello, I'm Julian. This is my friend, Sam. Oh, hello. <laughs> Sam, rinse the basin out quick. It's Mr. Orne. These are the registered offices of Baroner Television. That's you too, is it? Mm -hmm. Yes, we're like the grades. I'm your Leslie and he's your Lou. <laughs> Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd place to run a TV company. We haven't the money for bigger premises. We're hoping to save enough out of tips. Now, which area are you after? Oh. Well, not one of the big ones. No. To be frank, we haven't the modus operandi to service a big area, have we, Sam? No, particularly no. when you consider that these are our studios, too. Yes. You see. Mm. You see, Mr. Horn, Granada covers the North, ATV covers the Midlands. We're going after the area where we have special association. Mincing Lane? Oh! <laughs> we found <laughs> Yes. It's going to be a television service just for our chums. Would you like to have a vardra at our schedules? Yes. Go on, Jill. Get out your schedule. <laughs> Go on, run your minces over our programme plans, Mr. Orne. Ah, well, you seem to be catering for a limited taste. 
Thunderpalones. Mm. Our version of Thunderbirds. Uh, then there's the Omis, Omis in Latty 17. Mm, yes, an eyelash. Eyelash? Yes, it's like whiplash, only without the violence. I'm we're against it. I'm thinking against it. And oh. we don't like violence, do we, Jules? No, don't let pass. No. We wholeheartedly support that Countess Pallone. Um, mm. um, what's the name? Oh, you know. The one who was the Honourable Mrs. Gerald Lally. Leg? Yes, that's her. Moved to Lewisham. She's she Dartmouth now. Oh, she trolls around, don't she? <laughs> no, no, no. No, she's done well for us. Very, very. No, I like to see. I like to see people getting on. Yes, I like to see anyone so get do on. I, yes. I do. No, I do. <laughs> I do. Kindness of soul. Now where were we? Oh yes. Now our programmes will be very varied. For your intellectuals, there's eek to eek. Mm, that's our version of face to face. <laughs> what the papers, Polari? Mm. And Bonanza. Bonan... Yeah. Bonananza? Yes, you know, that Western about all those four great butch homies trying to find... <laughs> trying to find ourselves up the Ponderosa. Bonanza! You're welcome. You. <laughs> and then for kids, we've got Saloti Blythewood and her two Siamese cats, Kinky and Steed. Mm, very good. And our friend Gordon in drag. <laughs> then, of course, there's our piece de resistance. Oh, yes. Bat-o-me. <laughs> Bat-o-me? Yes. yes, our own version. We thought we'd do something enterprising in a package. Uh, I'm Bat... I'm Bat... I'm, I'm Bat-o-me, cos oh. I own the type. And... <laughs> and Jules Robin, cos he's more your juve. Oh, well... I think I'm past it, but Sand has faith. Of course you can do it, Jules. Well, I don't know. I you can do it. He's always running himself down. He's got no faith in himself. Well. But as I tell him, he may be a bit wrinkled on the surface. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> but deep down inside, where it matters, <laughs> he's full of your jeunesse dore. Yes, you could be right at that. Yeah. Anyway, we go trolling all over the world. Our capes flying... Mm, getting, up in... <laughs> getting up to incredible things with arch criminals. Well, relatively arch. Yes. <laughs> Each week we'll find us in a new exotic locale, battling with the underworld. I mean, like Tangier and mm. Shanghai and places like that. Yes, eventually Batomi and Robin in Hamburg, Batomi and Robin in Marseille. Yeah, but we've got to start in a small way first. Mm. So the first episode will be entitled Batomi and Robin in the cloakroom of the Marine Commando Club. <laughs> Yes, it's paid TV. How do you mean? Well, you have to put a penny in the slot. <laughs> well, I hope they don't get a license. I mean, the mind boggles at what their trademark would be. <laughs> Cheerio, see you next week. <laughs> That was Round the Horn, starring Kenneth Horn, with Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marsden, and Bill Pertwee. On the musical side, you heard The Fraser Hayes Four and Edwin Braden and The Hornblowers. The script was written by Barry Talk and Marty Feldman, and the programme is produced by John Simmons. (laughs) 
You have been listening to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. That's all for this week, folks. Until I speak to you again next week, this is Graham Stevens saying, keep smiling. We've got some off-price crack ties, some miles and miles of carpet tiles, TVs, deep freeze, and David Bowie LPs, all games, gold chains, wuss names, and Edda Push, and Trevor Francis track suits from a mush and shepherd's bush. Push, 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 push. No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we'll cut prices at a straw. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.